I'm sitting here reading this book. Um, it's by Christopher Isherwood, and it's called Mr. Norris Changes Trains. Um, I found it in one of those like free public library things on the street. Um, and the only reason I found it was because I replaced it with a copy of my own book, uh, Fight Kid, available wherever books are sold. And I'm reading this and it makes me want to talk about language. How language is used and how when we read, the language that we're reading in dictates almost how we feel about what we're reading. You have a lot of authors who, you know, went to some really good schools and then got some really fancy degrees and then got some really fancy teaching job at some fancy university and then they write really fancy. And it's not anything that you actually want to read. But then you look at like Stephen King and some would say that his writing is very simplistic But yet he sells how many fucking books? So it makes me wonder, is there a middle ground? Can you catch people's attention by using very intense, very beautiful, very poetic language, but still kind of cut all the fat away from it? This is, you know, editing in anything. uh, I'll explain it this way. When you're mixing a record... um, you're dealing with a lot of frequencies and audio. So for instance, if you have a bass guitar and it sounds a little too bassy, you go in, you plug in your equalizer, and then you take out low frequencies. Um, in the audio world, especially in the, with mixing a record, less is always more. Um, I'm learning this with writing. Um, when you write... When I write my first draft of anything, I call it word vomit. Uh, It's just me puking up shit onto a page. I don't care about the typos. I don't care about indentations. I don't care about double space. The only fucking thing I care about is just getting it onto the page. Now, this is not wet paint, okay? That's going to dry. Um, I think of words as written, you know, with a pencil and eraser. So I can erase all this shit if I wanted to. Um, but the more you can get onto the page, the more you can take away, the more fat you can cut out. And when it comes to language, when I'm like revisiting old shit, even one word, I've had instances where I've spent 30 seconds trying to figure out a different synonym for another word and then after 35 seconds you're like well the sentence would just be better without that word it's kind of like life i feel like life is better without a lot of the things that are in our lives um you know no one's life got better because more and more got added to it um i feel like people's lives get better when they take away all the shit that they actually added on for no reason Um, It's like fat on your body. I love eating pizza. I ate most of a pizza to my face last night. And now I feel like shit. And now there's more fat on my body. So now I'm going to have to go work out to take away that fat to feel better. Less is more. Um, So I'm reading this book and, you know, when was it written? It was probably written. I should 
probably know this before I even start talking about it. Um, 1935, okay? So that is, if my math is correct, that is 85 years ago. Now, they were speaking differently 85 years ago. They didn't have Twitter 85 years ago. Um, They didn't spell laugh out loud, LOL. So the economy of language was higher. Um, People cared more about what was being put on the page and what they were reading from the page because that was pretty much all the entertainment they had. Um, You know, there was theater and, you know, silent motion picture. I don't know if they were silent at that point. 1935? I got to look that up. Again, I'm recording this uh, in a van. Reba is on my lap and she's chewing on a little bone. Hi there. I know. I know that tastes good. Um, So when you were writing back then, oh God, I'm thinking of like Stein, man, they're all coming to me now. Like Steinbeck. um, I'm looking at all the King's men. I mean, you know, Updike. Pages and pages of just words that I feel like today people would just cut out of their books completely. Um, I was talking to an author friend of mine and he says, you, you write too much shit. <laughs> That's kind of true. Um, but again, writing too much shit means there's more to take away. Um so if I have a 10,000 word chapter, which is a, a long chapter, you know, I can look at that as being, oh, well, I have 2,000 words to take away from that. It's only going to make it fucking better, though. It's not going to make it worse. You're not going to take shit away to make it worse. Um, but the odds are if there's that much on the page, most of it's not that good. So he tells me you write too much. And I wanted to tell him you don't write enough, but that would have crushed him. Uh, <laughs> and this person will be nameless. But with words, you know, you get the right word on the page and it can replace almost an entire paragraph, literally. Um, I read A.J. Finn's book, The Woman in the Window, recently, and I I hadn't read anything like that. I don't think, shit, I don't think forever. And he's great with his economy of words. I mean, you know, three-word sentences, five-word sentences, things like that. Obviously, it's a different genre of book. It's a thriller. It's supposed to keep you on the edge of your seat. But I look at some books that I've read in the past, and I'm like, I'm looking at Infinite Jest, but that doesn't count. Um, But you're like, man, these books would have been so much better if they just cut out, like, 50 fucking pages. Is that the publisher? Is that the editor? Is that the author? Is that prestige? I don't know. Um, I'm so concerned in my own writing about having things on the page that just don't belong there that I'm worried I'm just going to delete the entire fucking book. Um, so maybe overwriting is a way to compensate for insecurities or maybe I'm just thinking too much about this. But again, it's just like if you have too much, you could take away. If you're spo- if a recipe calls for a cup of sugar and by accident you pour one and a half cups of sugar, you just take half a cup away. Not to say that there's a recipe for a book, but there kind of is. If you Google how long should a chapter be in a book, it'll give you a number. Um, You know, most books are 300 plus pages, maybe a little less than that. Um, You know, so there are formulas to this, but at the same time, you know, I don't know if publishers, publishers are looking for another infinite jest. I don't think people have the attention span for that anymore. 
I feel like you would have to release Infinite Jest in Twitter bursts <laughs> with hashtags as the endnotes, and people would still be bored. Um, so is that going to affect how people write books now? Is it affecting how I write books? I think it is. I think I'm super cognizant of people's attentions. Even in music. I've seen Fish over a hundred times. I'll just let that sit there. Okay. And I keep going back to them because it's something different every time. And it's the only band that could keep my attention for three hours every time. When was the last time you read a book that had completely had your attention for even 30 minutes? You pick up your phone, you look outside, you take a piss, you play with your dog. Well, that's what I do. But you, you get it. And with reading, it's all about keeping the reader's attention. So how do you do that? Do you write short little bursts and make an epic into a thriller? Do you make super long sentences that are just so good that people can't help but be transfixed by them? Good luck with that. There's so many options for entertainment and to keep ourselves busy with bullshit that as a writer, it brings on a whole other level of not necessarily insecurity, but things that you simply just have to think about. You know, we're not stand-up comedians, you know. This is not a visual thing. You know, we expect our readers to go deep within themselves and create images and faces and worlds. We're not presenting, to, presenting it to them on a screen or on a stage with a microphone. And when that's the case... It feels like every word counts. You can't ramble. You can't just say bullshit. If I lose you on page three, it's bye-bye. I have, to, I have to get you on the first fucking sentence. How many times have you walked into a bookstore, saw a cover of a book that you dug, maybe you heard about it, and you picked it up and you read the first page and you just put it down. You're like, this sucks. That's what writers are working with. You know, it took that author two and a half years to write that book, another year to get it published, and then it's on the shelves, and you pick it up and you put it down after the first read because you got an Instagram notification. So this is the reality of the art form of literature and writing. Um, you know, it's different than the news and newspapers and that print journalism. Um and in the world of 2020, I'm going to go back to actually a conversation I had on the last podcast about my conversation with Adam Johnson. And actually, we talked about this exact same thing, about how he was worried about keeping his readers' interests. And this is a guy who's, you know, his economy of words is <laughs> large. And that was a big fear of his. He teaches, I think, at, uh, at Stanford. I'm probably wrong on that. Again, I'm in my van. And 
you know, I'm curious about the things that he's teaching his students about how to think and about how to write in this day and age. You know, I would have loved to have lived in the 50s and be hanging out with, or I guess the 60s and the 70s, <laughs> hanging out with all those heavy hitters like the Roths and the Updikes and the Saul Bellows and those kind of cats who just fucking wrote, wrote, wrote. And their f- people just eat it up. Couldn't get enough of it. There's an episode of Mad Men where uh, Don is sitting on his couch in his office. And so I think Roger walks in. Um, and he's just lying down with a, with a cocktail and a cigarette. And he's reading a cop- copy of Portnoy's Complaint by Philip Roth. She, you know what? I'm going to pull that up. And it's, Philip Roth was a famous, famous author for a couple of reasons. Um, one of the reasons was the way he talked about sex. Sex will always be interesting. Uh, sex is one of the greatest things in the world. <laughs> And if you're an author and you can write about sex in a way that almost turns you on, then, man, you're going to be able to grab readers' attentions. Uh, There are times I'm more turned on by what I read on the page than any kind of porn you watch. I mean, I'm dead serious. Like, a good author writing a good sex scene can really put you in a place you never thought or imagined. And Philip Roth was amazing at that. Now, obviously, Mad Men and Dom and all these characters live in, you know, a hyperized, womanizing world. I'm not fucking ignorant about that. But at the same time, it's interesting. Who who decided in the writer's room to make Dom read Portnoy's Complaint? Why that book specifically? You know, it, was it... I'm curious, was it a conscious decision because the people who watch that show might be a bunch of people like me? I don't think that's the case. But either way, I'm curious what or how many people went and bought Portnoy's Complaint after that episode aired. And when they did, they were like, holy fuck. This guy's talking about masturbating around his mother, um, in the back of cabs, um, things like that. And when this book came out at the time, again, you know, I'm not losing focus here. When this book came out, it was a huge deal. If this book was released today, it wouldn't even be talked about. You know, having a sex scene in a book, you know, I, I could pull up my phone right now, 80 million sex scenes in a second. So it's just not what it is anymore. But that's not to say that the power isn't there. The power behind those words, right? The power that your own imagination can create. And as a writer, that's our biggest tool. Imagination. It's all imagination. And if you can create the words on the page to have your reader imagine things that are worth imagining, then you're doing it right. And you don't have to write 13 pages describing a sex scene in order to do that. You can do that with four well-crafted sentences. But maybe you want to write three pages. So go fucking write three pages. It really doesn't make a difference. It's just as a reader, more so than a writer sometimes, 
maybe it was Malcolm Gladwell or another guy on a podcast, that guy, James L. Tercher, I forget. And they were talking about, they've read so many books. Now it was a different guy. I'm not going to remember his name, but they read so much that now if they're reading a book and it's something that just isn't striking them, they'll just skip past it. You know, the way it was explained at this time was, you know, there's not enough time in the day to spend reading stuff that won't improve you. Um, you know, so I read that book, Sapiens, by, uh, I'm going to totally butcher his name, uh, Yuvai Noah Harari. I mean, you can't, you couldn't escape this book two years ago. It was on the shelves of every single bookstore. And this is, you know, some heady human evolution writing. And, you know, he's able to make it so you actually want to read it. But, I mean, I'll be honest. There were times I was reading this book and I'm like, I don't want to spend the next 13 minutes reading this. So I skipped over it. You know, I would never want anyone to skip over something that I was writing. But then again, what this boils down to is economy of words. And I'm going to be super conscious of my economy of words. I'm not a good enough writer (laughs) to keep your attention for that fucking long. It's just not the case. So I need to work with what I have. And if that means cutting out paragraphs, I mean, deleting entire chapters. I've deleted entire chapters that, you know, you feel emotionally connected to for some reason. But there's, you can't be connected to your work like that. You need to be able to let things go. You need to be able to revise. You need to be able to delete. You need to be able to do all these kinds of things. And it goes back to the audio analogy. Less is more. You know, if that guitar is too bright, I want to dial down that those high frequencies. You know, if the sounds of the, of the drum mics in the room are overbearing of the rest of the drum kit... I need to turn down those microphones. And with literature, if the words on the page are just amplifying something that doesn't need to be amplified, it just needs to be turned down. Um, Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. I was just sitting here thinking about that. Um, How sometimes in, in all of life, less is more. Thinking less, doing less, eating less, All these things, if you can find the fruit in an empty basket, it'll feel full. I think that works, right? That's a good one. Um, I'm going to leave it on that. Um, Thanks again for listening to another episode. Uh, Again, we got some cool shit coming up. Um, I'm just going to keep rambling until that happens. Um, And I hope you all will stick around until that does. But until then, uh, my name is Michael Johnston. Uh, This was another episode of Writing Friction. And um, yeah, I'll see you all later. Thanks.